Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake, BJ Shea, is here. Yeah, buddy. And running the boards is Joey Dees. Hey. Hi. On today's show, we will talk TV of the DC style with Titans and Doom Patrol. BJ, yes. BJ will give us some Star Wars news that apparently missed everybody but him. Star Wars. Very excited. Yeah. Very it's relatively old news, I think. It came, you know, last week we heard about this. Uh-oh. And then we also got a couple of board games BJ's going to talk about and the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. more. Or just, you know, search BJ Shea's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. You'll find us. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of ways to find us and do all that fun stuff, you know, like listen to us and interact with us and, I don't know, leave nice comments, not the bad comments, you know. If if, if we do something wrong, don't worry about it. Just uh, tell us all the things we do right. Uh, That's the constructive part of constructive criticism, telling us how great we are. How about that? Yeah, so you're, you're you're criticizing the criticizer. Yep. Nice. Oh yeah, exactly. You got to uh, get out get out ahead on that one and uh, start uh, off on the right foot. No, no. Anyway, uh, let's get to some TV talk because BJ, you've been watching Titans and Doom Patrol. Yes, sir. Titans and actually, Vicky is the. I'm, I think Vicky might have turned me on to Doom Patrol, but she's yes, a little behind. <laughs> she's a little behind. I that, want Victoria. to binge it. All right. Well, that's what she, she's waiting for. Well, you can finally binge it because uh, Doom Patrol. The uh, last episode dropped, Yay. so you oh, can wow, now nice. binge the whole thing. Uh, you can also binge Titans if you want to. There's three seasons of that, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, this is these are the Teen Titans, and uh, they got their third season. And uh, you know, this the, the the budget for this show is there's not a lot of money because they really can't show all uh, the great special effects stuff, but they do make up for it in great story. And uh, man, this is an awesome. This season really was about Scarecrow. Uh, which uh, is pretty wild. I did not expect that to be the case, Uh, but this was the Scarecrow season. Also, really, um, you know, I'm not a DC fan, but it does explore, I guess, a lot of cool storylines that have been explored in the DC universe uh, and not necessarily Titans universe, but they kind of crossed over a lot of Gotham stuff and uh, even even things that have happened to Gotham that we saw in the TV show Gotham. They've kind of mirrored at least some of the cataclysmic events that happened. Even though we not we didn't see anything about the Titans and that, uh, this is old Batman. So Batman's very old, played by Ian Glenn, and we uh, and really it's never Batman. We just see him play Bruce Wayne. Okay, that makes sense. If he's an older guy, so he's hung up the uh, the cowl at this point. Oh, uh, kind of, sorta. Uh, I mean, he's okay. kind of like wanting. You know, I think he really wants Dick Grayson to be the new Batman, but Dick is like, I'm Nightwing now, bitch. I'm out. Uh, this all, you know, there's, you know, there's definitely uh, a lot of behavioral science, mental health exploration between the relationship of Bruce and Dick, which I think, and then of course later on, Jason Todd. Uh, oh wow, yeah. Uh, if you're if you if you love Tim, if you love the idea of Tim Drake, well, he makes an appearance this season. Uh, and these are all Robins. Basically, you've got yeah. Dick and Jason and Tim, who have all been Robins in the comics. See, this and, is called uh, Titans, not Robins. What the hell? Well, that's the thing. And of course, you got <laughs> Scarecrow, who I don't know. I never, I never read a lot of Teen Titans, so I don't know anything about the comics. But uh, so I don't know if Scarecrow ever was a real problem for the Titans. Maybe he was. But uh, Vincent Carthizer, who you will remember him from Mad Men. 
Um, and uh, he was in Mad Men. He was also the bad guy in that Justin Timberlake Time movie. Uh, and he was the rich guy in that. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know anything about him, but once I looked him up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember him from Mad Men. That guy face. Yeah, yeah. yeah he I, really I, does have a that guy face. I, I, forget, I forget. Was his name Billy? I, I forget his name in Mad Men. Uh, but anyway, uh, great actor. Um, he was Allison Bree's husband, as a matter of fact. Yeah, he was Pete Campbell in the- Pete, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of Billy Campbell, who I- uh, <laughs> I know that name. All right. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so Vincent plays Dr. Jonathan Crane- and uh, uh, boy, is he just tremendous. Yeah, he kind of does look like a good uh, Dr. Crane. He's really good. Uh, he, he uh, Very, very well done. Great story. Uh, there, uh, boy, oh boy. Um, my friend Josh told me, he said, BJ, you remember that time when Arrow told Supergirl she's benched during the big crossover? And basically, he took the most powerful person they have <laughs> and said, you can't help us in a fight? <laughs> yeah. He said, that's going to happen, because he was a couple of episodes ahead of me. And he said, that's going to happen. So just be on the lookout for that. And boy, did that happen. It was like, uh, I mean, I guess what do you, I guess if you're a writer and you know, you've got basically Superboy and crypto, the super dog, (laughs) and you realize you're facing a street level guy that has hallucinogens as his weapon. It's like, you know, you know, Dr. Crane, the scarecrow is no match for a Superman kind of creature, but they have to find a way to bench him, if you will. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, but the last episode air, it was uh, aired. It was a good season. It was called Purple Rain. Um, boy, yeah, it's a good season. But man, stuff happened that again. You, they take their most powerful people because they also have Wonder Girl, who is Wonder Woman's younger sort oh, of oh, yeah. hero. Just yeah. like you know, they got Kid Flash. You know, DC. There's Kid Flash, and there's you know, there's Nightwing. You know, so all the younger versions of the main heroes, like so Muppet, that the teens will dig it. It's like Muppet Babies, but just for the DC Justice exactly. League. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And honestly, the Teen Titans uh, cartoons, I think, like the OG one, was really, really awesome. It was for like our generation, we grew up watching that. They, if you're able to ever go back, if you're feeling cartoony, definitely check it out. It's fun. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. But I've they caught do, a couple episodes. Yeah, they have their darker episodes, which are really, really well done. So I, I'm curious to see. I know a lot of people were hating on Titans when they first started coming out with the pictures. Like they're like that's not what Starfire or Raven look like. What is this? And it's it seems to have blown up. It's gone this many seasons, yeah. so it's definitely on my list. Just got to get to it. <laughs> the problem the, the problem is is that it has a lot to live up to, and they don't have the budget. They just oh, don't have the money. Yeah. I mean, that, and so you've got to be creative with that, which means you will basically have to find a way to depower your most powerful people in order to fight a street level villain, which is what Scarecrow is. He, Scarecrow is a street level villain. They tried in a lot of ways to make him a really super villain for you know some of these types that they you know, but but really you've got Wonder Girl, you've got Raven, you've got Superboy. There's no way that you know Doctor Crane, you know Jonathan Crane's could. Can, can hold up against that it's just no way but they they have to find a way and so you have to sort of have a lot of disbelief i mean even even beast boy it's like for some reason he can only turn into a cat and then finally he found a way to turn into something else this season but you're just like how many seasons is it going to take for this guy to be able to do everything well all right they don't have the special effects money never mind it reminds me of heroes like yes, just like exactly. the biggest fight behind a door that a person is holding and we got flashing lights Woo. That's why I love Doom Patrol, because Doom Patrol, again, doesn't have the budget 
Therefore, these guys, right off the bat, since you don't know a lot about Doom Patrol, I mean, if you did read that comic, I just feel like who who did because it looked so goofy. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> Alaska Woman and Robot Man and, you like know, the and the negative, and negative man. I mean, it's just... They're the goofiest. I mean, I never cared about them when they were out, but what they've done for the show is tremendous. Including Crazy Jane, which is not a politically correct name for somebody who's got personality <laughs> disorder, but it was back in the sixties and seventies. Uh, but what they've done with this show is they've really said, "Yeah, we're superheroes that you know only based on the we took the name Doom Patrol and the characters, but we're going to do completely something something completely different with it." and it's fantastic. It's fa- even to the point where this season they made fun of the fact that they don't really have a budget. And rather than coming out like De- you know Deadpool and saying it, they basically come up with all the weirdest, <laughs> dumbest reasons why everyone's depowered to the point where it becomes a joke in the in, in, in the uh, in the ninth episode uh, where basically they're trying to rally the troops to fight a, a, an evil situation and everybody's depowered and they're like, are you kidding me? You can't do anything either. And, but they all have their reasons why. And it's very, very funny. And I love it because they've come up with a real creative reason when we, we know it's just money. It's like, you just can't be having these guys do what they can do because they just don't have the money to do it. Mm-hmm. And so they've always had a reason. Well, well, the reason is, is that she can't control her powers. The reason is this guy over here has done something that he can't control. This guy over here has got a baby. This guy over here is a grandfather. I mean, you got to, so and all these reasons why they can't go fight the bad guys. And it's very clever, very good. And Vicky, you don't know, maybe you know this Vicky, but one of our favorite actors uh, is in this season of Doom Patrol. Uh, and she makes an appearance, Michelle Gomez from That's Sabrina right. yep. Yep. and from Doctor Who. And of course, Michelle Gomez knocks it out of the park because she is a tremendous actor. And the most ludicrous of roles are always done so well by the greatest actors. And she has um, said, been uh, quoted to say, I have a face for witches and bitches. <laughs> so I'm hoping it stays true. Yeah. And, but you know, and I, right. I, have, I haven't seen the last episode of the season, so I can't see how the story arc wraps up, but it is ludicrous. It's insane. Uh, and uh, Doom Patrol is such a great show. And I will tell you, I still feel like it might be the best show on television in the world of science fiction fantasy. It's wow. got so much heart. It's got, I mean, the, the, the subjects it tackles is amazing to me. And uh, in the midst of, and it's it's like the Wizard of Oz. I've said it before. It is yeah. the Wizard of Oz for our generation and beyond. Um, and I don't think people realize it, but man, it's something I think the Wachewskis would be proud of because it it's that level of heart that they put into it. Damn. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, Doom Patrol is, a, is definitely a hit for me. Uh, just don't go in there expecting heroes that can do anything because they can't. <laughs> I think that's the charm, though, at that point. I yes. mean, come on. This is, a, this is a show that shouldn't work, but somehow but it does. It does. Uh, yeah. Moving on from that, before we started recording, BJ was like, did you hear about the Star Wars news? And I was like, um, may, maybe. Uh, and so you just left us on a tease on that. So what is this Star Wars news that you've got going on now? Well, what I read, and I, it was a quick read on uh, on the Facebooks last week, was that, uh, you know, we're going to get an Ashoka series, uh, you know, based on, of course, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Which, who we saw, we you know, uh, we saw we saw her and uh, in the last season of The Mandalorian. 
Well, uh, and if you watch Rebels, you know there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with Ashoka, as well as uh, Clone Wars. But really, the cool stuff that happened for her uh, and Anakin stuff was during uh, Rebels. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and um, well, guess what? They're going to probably revisit something. I don't know if it's going to be flashbacks or whatever, but Hayden Christensen... The man that played Anakin Skywalker is going to be in the Ashoka series. Yeah. Really? Ashoka Tan. Yeah. So, uh, Knew it. It, it, <laughs> see, I know I forgot about that. That is interesting. That, yeah. That was last week that it was announced. Uh, Actually, or, I think it's been longer than that. Well, I'm I just li- read the story today. I, well, I should say not today, but I read the story last week it's and it like- seemed like it was the first time I heard about it. You've yeah. known about this for how long? Well, I feel like I've known about it longer than this, but I'm looking at some of the articles that were posted like three weeks ago. Oh, wow. Three weeks ago. So, well, I guess this was verified. Yeah. I think that the, oh, okay, the article okay, that I okay. read last week was like, it's official. Hayden Christensen is going to be in, in, in the Ahsoka series. Um, that is like really interesting because I know there was a huge amount of controversy even when adding Anakin as the forced ghost at the forced ghost at the end of uh, the whole series when it came down to that you know digitally uh, entering all that in sort of there like Hayden Christensen I, I guess he didn't hate being uh, being Darth and so he's okay with coming back for it. Here's the sad thing: I think a lot of people love the voice actor and the portrayal of Anakin in Clone Wars. They feel like that that actor and the way Anakin was in Clone Wars really redeemed a lot of Anakin's storyline in the movies. Oh, yeah. Because the thing, the, the things were rushed. That's unfortunate with George Lucas sometimes. It's just like, you know, it, it's the Game of Thrones effect. You know, you go zero to I want to burn the entire town down <laughs> in a season. And that's kind of what happened. You're like, I know I know, Anakin's afraid of losing, you know, yeah. Padawan, but I still don't think he's going to go in and kill a bunch of little kids. But you know what? Nope, sorry. At the beginning of this, he was worried about losing uh, Padawan, and at the end of this movie, he's killing little kids. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's wow. Uh, mm, all right. Uh, hmm. Yeah, and so they gave you more. Clone Wars gave you more reasons why Anakin would do this, and the Ahsoka Tan uh, storyline and what happened to her. And, Rev, I don't know if you got to see all of uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. I haven't I haven't um, gotten down to I, I, I've seen online what has happened to her and it, it essentially it's even uh, why she even has her white lightsabers um, that you see in the Mandalorian um, but we haven't gotten to the actual episodes yet of her uh, and dealing with the, the, the Jedi Council yeah, and stuff. So yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of BS that went down and since you know Anakin Shocking. was given a and Anakin was given a Padawan even though he still was a Padawan so there's a lot of things that at least, you know, Rebels and I should say Clone Wars gave you mm-hmm. that filled in some gaps that had you think, oh, OK, uh, all right, this is this is OK. Uh, th- this this makes me feel like Anakin could go crazy. That is one of those- we could, you know, why he would lose faith in the Jedi Council. And that is why I do really love the Clone Wars uh, a lot about that. And as we're going through it, it's just the fact that you flesh out a character who, like you even said, wasn't fleshed out in the movies. It was just suddenly like good, 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 bad. And you're and like, there's, oh, OK. And in Rebels, there is some powerful interactions with her and Darth Vader, and oh. her and her hearing rumors and maybe even sensing who's beneath that mask and how tragic and traumatic it was for her to go. My God, are you kidding me? You, Anakin, what the f? I mean, there are those moments of them, and they have to fight, and it's they're. they're 
I mean, they're great episodes. They really, really are great episodes. But the, the and so to think that somehow, some way, we're going to get some of that uh, because again, this is after. Uh, you know, Vader's dead. I mean, this is what yeah. I'm, 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 well, I shouldn't say that's when the Mandalorian is. I don't know when Ahsoka is going to take place. We don't know if it's a prequel to what we saw in Mandalorian. That's the thing. I don't know enough about the Ahsoka series, Ahsoka series to know what, what when, when it takes place. So it's going to have to be flashbacks if it's Anakin. And I wonder if they're going to show us any more Vader interactions. I'll be really interested to see how Rosario Dawson and Hayden Christensen, uh, how their chemistry is on the screen. It'll be fun to watch that and see how that pans out. And I hope it'll be uh, I hope it'll be decent. And I really have a lot of faith now in this point in time, maybe just because the fact that George Lucas isn't writing the uh, the, the the lines. It's a great storyline, too. A lot. It might help a lot. I will say a lot of fans love the, the Anakin-Ahsoka storyline. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, the, the, it makes you love Anakin again. Of course... I, the voice actor did make Anakin sound a lot more confident and not so whiny. Uh, I don't <laughs> well, know the gentleman's name I'm, that played it, but it wasn't it yeah. wasn't Hayden who did the voice for Anakin. Well, um, maybe, maybe maybe he's grown as an actor, and maybe he uh, doesn't have to deal again with those George Lucas lines that usually are the the, the whiny aspect of it. So yeah, here's uh, hoping. Obi Wan is holding me back. Oh God, and uh, how much you hate sand. I know. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to some board game reviews. You got a pair of board game reviews for me, BJ. Well, I suppose if you want to, please. Uh, hey, here's a board game that at least decided to go. Hey, you guys remember that Avengers movie where Thor had to get a whole new storm chaser thing that he got there? Yeah. Storm beater, storm kicker, storm breaker, uh, sir. Yeah. Oh yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> so Nidavellir is where he went to get that done. Where we saw, uh, where we saw Tywin uh, Forger, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, so Nidavellir is the place where the uh, where dwarfs are. You know, it's the dwarf kingdom. Where they all hang out and do stuff, and yeah. we have a game called Nidavellir that was released uh, back in 2020, and it was given to me as a gift by one of my gamer buddies, Isaac. And um, so I'm like, oh, I've never even heard of this game. Yeah. And uh, yes, the Dwarf Kingdom is being threatened by the dragon Fafnir. So Ooh, you, Fafnir. as a, so you as a venerable Elvaland, and I have no idea what that even means. An Elvaland, <laughs> it's Elva Land, and I mean I don't even know what that word means. But that right, that that's yeah. who that's who we play. We're people that have to go out and we have to find the bravest of the brave, bravest of the bravest dwarves in order to have them fight the dragon. And in this game. You will not fight the dragon. You will just assemble a team to fight the dragon. Oh, okay. So you're just, yeah, you're Avengers assembling here at this point in time, but you're not actually fighting. You're just bringing bringing everyone together. And this is a really cool game. I actually like this game a lot. It's got really, it's got really good artwork, and it's a bidding game, and card drafting game, and a tableau building game. And uh, you've got five different kinds of dwarves that you can recruit, and they all have a bravery value. And <laughs> you are basically trying to ba- get the bravest group of dwarves you can by building your tableau a particular way. And like a good game, of course, it's got a ridiculous amount of cards and options. And the bidding is really clever because we start off with coins, but you also will get credit at the end of the game for your coins. So you want to upgrade your coins, but then you also want to use your expensive coins to help with the bid. So you got a lot of these tough decisions to make, as well as do I want to go first in order because there's a dwarf I want, but I may not get it if I go last. <laughs> um, and it's a... Uh, it's a quick game. It's uh, the artwork. Like I said, the artwork is good. And it's a good thinky game, too. It's like one of those games where it take, it's really easy to learn. But man, to master, especially trying to outwit all of the other people at the table, is pretty fun. 
and uh, it goes very quickly too. Which it is, seems fairly inexpensive too at forty bucks. Yeah. So and they have an expansion as well, and uh, so it's at uh, Gree Games, I believe, is the name yeah, of the company that makes it. G R R E R R R E Gree, and uh, it is available for purchase. I'm sure at all the good places, and yep. if you ask your buddies, like uh, like our buddies over at uh, Zulu's Board Game Cafe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe they can get it for you if they don't have it. And if not, I'm sure the Amazons of the world have it. But it is called Nidavellir, and uh, it's a fun game. I, I really, really like it. And I've asked for the expansion on my uh, Christmas list. So. Yeah, which is Thingvellir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully hopefully that gets done. Uh, another game that was introduced to me, uh, and here's what happened. Uh, a buddy of mine, and we decided to go to Mox Boarding House in uh, Bellevue, Washington, which, of course, is uh, one of the two great game stores owned by the good folks at Mox. Actually, three. They have one in Portland, too. Portland, oh, yeah. Uh, and they're Portland ex- Oregon. They're expanding down, I even believe, into like Arizona, too. I like, think so. they're going all over. So, this is amazing. I love the fact that we've got a board game cafe franchise is happening. Well, they're good people. Yeah. Uh, they really, really are. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy for them expanding out because they, they have a quality store and give you a great experience. Uh, their cafes and the, and 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 of course their board game selections insane and so we you know you go to you go to Mox Boarding House and I and I was like look I told my buddy Josh I have a Christmas list I cannot buy anything for myself <laughs> it is this time of year uh, Josh apparently doesn't have that rule in his house and so he just went and he was like oh that looks good that looks good that looks good he bought like three or four games wow. and uh, <laughs> uh, one of them uh, it, 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 actually I'll probably talk about a few of them uh, in future podcasts because. We just picked them up off the shelf. You never know if it's going to be good off the shelf. A lot of times, wow. you know, you, you got to read descriptions. But he looked at the back of the box. He says, I like this game. And it's called Tejuto or Tejuto. I don't know my, um, you know, my, my, my uh, I don't even know what language I'm speaking. Japanese, I believe, is where it takes place in Japan. So I'm assuming this is Japanese. Um, I, my Japanese is not good. So I have no idea if I'm saying it wrong. And I apologize. Um, but. You know, this game, you know, I like to go into space and I like to go into the future. This game takes us all the way back to the year 532. Whoa. And this is when Buddhism arrived in Japan and took its place a long time. Uh, Shintoism. Now, you might be saying, okay, BJ, you're telling me we're going to play a board game about a religion that started, and uh, okay. Um, of course, people would argue that Buddhism is, isn't really a religion. Uh, it's more of a great philosophy and way of life with wisdom. But anyway, this is back in 532 where the prince was like, hey, man, I love this religion. This is, like, <laughs> awesome, this new thing. We are going to make a village all about this religion, and that's what we got to do. We have got to construct these wonderful uh, (laughs) new towers, tajutos. They're these pagodas that we have to construct. And uh, the way you do this is each pagoda has a bunch of these pieces, and you you get to feel in a bag. It's a bag where you get to, on your turn, one of the things you get to do is pull out a piece. But you get to feel around, and hopefully you know what piece you're looking for. You may not, you know, you may need a particular color of a piece, but you know, at least you'll get the right piece. It might be the wrong color, oh, and so you spend okay. a lot of time going, "Do I want the little one, or the slightly little one, or the mid-sized one, or the big one?" <laughs> and uh, getting these pieces and placing them on the board at the right time is something that is very interactive with other players, and uh, it is really a fun game. I was very surprised at how much I liked Tajuto, since it just didn't really. You know, I'm going to take the role of a Buddhist monk. That's what you want me to do? Right. Trying to get to my highest spirituality. That's the game. But turns out, 
Yes, it is. But you're you're building buildings and you're making all sorts of moves. You're spending your spiritualism, if you will, which is that's Whoa, the currency of the game. That's some high concept right yeah, there. It's really fun in that respect. And uh it is it is a really good game. I I, I I really enjoyed it. Very colorful, good artwork, and again, easy to learn. It's like, you know, here's what you gotta do. Oh, okay, cool. And I love the idea of going in the bag, searching, and you're allowed to search for what you want with your hands. And you think you've got the right piece, and you go, oh, I was looking for the white roof, not the yellow roof. Damn it. <laughs> uh, and, of course, you got your player across from you going, oh, and I love the yellow roof. Yeah, go ahead and place it. Do it. Do it. You know, so it's, uh, it's, it's, a, very well, it's a very well done game, and it's made by uh, Super Meeple and uh, plays two to four players. And uh, it is, uh, it's, I know it's available at Mox Boarding House and any place else that you get some cool games, uh, Amazons and stuff. But uh, if if you love the idea of of you know Asian culture back in the you know five hundreds and you're that kind of person anyway you know cool you're you're like all right this is all me man uh, and even if you don't it is a clever mechanic game it has it's one that I haven't played where you have to try to build stuff by yeah. feeling around you know I love that mechanic so uh, it's called Tahuto Tajuto T A J U T O and uh, it's available now where you buy games. Perfect. Awesome. And now it is time for The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got? Well, I know BJ talked about board games, but I also have a game type thing to talk about. Oh, nice. Uh, I just think it's funny. So when you, we've all played Dungeons and Dragons here, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the, the constant rule is it ne- never goes smoothly, especially if you're the dungeon master. Oh, yeah. you got to yeah. constantly try to uh, figure out what the hell your, uh, your players are going to throw at you. It's either going to be the most ridiculous thing, like that they decide to do, or they don't pick up on the like <laughs> easiest of hints, right? Oh, totally. Uh, but these dungeon masters shared stories about the useless items their party were was still able to exploit. Oh, oh, this sounds like something straight out of my D and D group. <laughs> Talking to you, Greg. Uh, how about oh. a magical rubber duck killed an entire pit of deadly piranhas? What? So magical rubber duck turns whatever body of water it's in slowly into the perfect bath. As in warm, bubbly, chucked into a piranha pit, and about 20 minutes later, the piranhas were dead from poisoning via the soap. Oh, I was going to say because they cooked them. Well, that too. (laughs) It's not the right pH. That's funny. How about the hat of many hats helped one player really get into character? So I homebrewed the hat of many hats, and it's a regular hat, but it's made of shift weave, so it can okay. have the appearance of any other hat. And it was part of a shop selling dodgy knockoff of regular magic items. In this case, the hat of disguise. The halfling who was, uh, was sh- the, who always struggled with RP took it. And it became a great way to get her more involved in with what her character would do. And it started with her transmuted herself and I'm with stupid baseball cap to tease one of the other party members after he'd come up in some <laughs> BS plan, you know, which led to one of the other players asking what the mysterious um, baseball was. What was what's this little baseball? Uh, and she just ran with it. And it was uh, that was the game they used to play back in her home region when they were all kids. All of a sudden she had a backstory rather than just being I'm short and I stab things. And I'm sure she would have come up into her own RP eventually, but it was just giving her a dressing up box yeah. and seeing her realize that she could actually do things that weren't just purely mechanical. That's pretty awesome. I mean, that's really amazing. And also, I'm short and stab things is the name of Vicky's autobiography. Oh, yes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. 
Oh, okay. So how about a rock of gravity detection? Use the DM's words against them. Okay. So I gave my players a rock of gravity detection, which is exactly what it sounds like. They got it early on the campaign, and when dropped, it would accelerate until terminal velocity to its nearest center of gravity. So basically, it was a rock that would just act like a normal rock until way later in the campaign, they found themselves floating aimlessly through this astral plane, searching for the soul of another player, trapped in a keep on a small chunk of land that they previously transported to the astral plane. Oh, that's brilliant. I already know what they're going to do with it. They didn't have much to go on as well. They were essentially floating in a void. Then one of my players pulls out the rock of gravity detection, and I try to argue that it's just a rock, so it floats there. But dude, due to what I thought was clever wording, my own wording, they argued it should accelerate towards the nearest center of gravity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they found the keep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to drop it, and it's going to go to the closest gravity. It's going to follow the gravity. So you can literally just follow this rock right to where you got to go. That's genius. <laughs> That's like you actually at that point, if you're playing D&D, you give your players inspiration for that one because they deserve it. Uh, I'm not sure if I get this, so maybe you do. Okay. Some non-magical skull disarmed all of the DM's traps. It's a simple non-magical skull. Somehow I did not foresee the uh, subsequent disarmament of all my traps via skull effery. Hum. Um, I guess maybe other than the fact that you just threw the skull out there. I guess. Like, I mean, we have we have a necromancer in our party, and one of the easiest ways to detect traps is to send a skeleton in front of everybody else or a zombie in front of everybody else. You're like, go do that thing and see if you die, because I don't want to die. Okay. Well, how about a simple amulet that helps players stay in character, which is always a very hard thing, especially if you're not with people you really know. Yeah, you don't want to, because sometimes it's a little bit of uh, anxiety when you're like trying to act like a character and it's like, I don't want to seem dumb, but like goofy. I mean, it's, it's all having fun. So hopefully you should uh, at least, you know, try to get into character a little bit. Right. And it's hard when like one person's really into it and then this other person's just like, not. not they, they don't have a rest, <laughs> it's not a resting bitch face. It's just a resting like hmm, face. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of hard for a DM to have as a DM. Yeah. Um, But they said, I gave my players an amulet that lets them speak to rocks. The one player who picked it up spent most of the session talking to his new pet rock and would often integrate rocks they find at scenes for information, usually, or interrogate rocks that they find at scenes for information, usually getting either vague info or stuff they can clearly see already because it's It's a rock. rock. Later on, another party member wanted to try talking to another rock, actually a pile of rocks made into a crude gravestone related to their character's backstory only for the first party member to find out the amulet was cursed and they couldn't remove it. Later on, they got it removed and had the amulet identified, where I revealed that the amulet only let them think they could speak to rocks, and all the information they had asked the rocks was only information that was already known to them. They basically started using this now uncursed version of an amulet as a tool to ask for information they had forgotten or needed clarity, because uh, it's an in, amulet of common sense, you know, but in in character rather than just asking me out of character, which yeah. is great. No, that's actually really solid. Like I have a sentient sword in my D and D campaign, and one of the things I love to do is like. 
hey, Sword, you've been in this dungeon for a while. How does this work? By and large, the DM's like, well, I was in another part of the dungeon. I have no idea. And I'm like, damn you. Come on. Hello, rock friend. Yes. Can you lead me to what I need? Can you talk to dust? Is that an, is that an option? I feel like uh, you're going into a lot of caves. <laughs> we, there's, 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 a, uh, there's a thing called a dust of dryness in uh, D&D. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the worst, best thing that our DM has given us because it basically sucks up water and then you can release it at a later time. Mm. So we uh, routinely use it to drown things. Oh. Because we're just, we'll put that there, we'll put them in the pit, and then we'll uh, activate the dust, and now it's a pit full of water. Hooray! All right. And the DM's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, it's like, well, but it's the easiest way to do this. He's like, I know. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about a crow mask became the game's most useful utility player? So a random encounter in the woods got the players a crow mask that makes it so you can only call like a crow when wearing it. <laughs> Based off a Slay the Sprite item, and it can be removed without any issues, so it's a silly flavor item, you know? However, the players are convinced it is a secret MacGuffin of this campaign and keep trying to use it for everything. So most times are failures, (laughs) but at times the stars align and somehow it works. They used it to claim a weird mutated ch- or calm a weird mutated child down so they could ask it questions to learn about an ambush. They used enlarge plus mask plus super high de- uh, deception and performance role to convince the cult that the fighter was a stronger god than the one they were worshipping. Crow god, yeah, I get it. Crow god. <laughs> uh, they constantly use it to make every town guard think they are too much trouble to be worth hassling. Uh, yeah, usually uh, with crows, that's the truth. I would just <laughs> use it to make friends friends with uh, all of the other crows around the area, and then suddenly I've got a ton of chromies hanging around, and now I've got an entire murder going around with I me. I feel like that you should just have a character that has that and yeah. like create a new one and... Wear the crow mask, all that. It worked really well for Bran. I mean, he became king. Right? Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I will say, I want to give a shout out to my local Walmart. There's the greeter, and I always see this greeter, and he has this really awesome staff that he holds on to, and he's got like one of those big uh, oh. medicine. Oh, what is the, it? the plague doctor the, mask? The plague doctor mask oh, he that, wears, and it's that's so kinda, cool. That's kind of creepy on that one. <laughs> I wonder so, if, that one, if that item is magic. I don't know his name, but he looks like he possesses magic. <laughs> so Fair shout enough. out to you, sir. <laughs> well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy. 